in week three of our series, The Gospel According to Johnny Cash. And this is week three of three, which means it's our last week. And just like the last couple of weeks, we are going to spend some time this week looking at a portion of Johnny's life with the hopes that by looking at his life, we will better be able to discern how we can walk with Christ perhaps more closely. Uh, So for one more week, we're going to talk a lot about Johnny Cash, because again, I want us to get a really good sense of different seasons of his life, of who he was and, and what he did, and to face the fact, and we did this especially last week, that he made a lot of mistakes over the course of his life. We've been using the term a flawed saint to describe him. But one thing that I've been struck by reading about his life and preparing for these messages is he never let that stop him from being who he believed God created him to be. So I'm excited for us to continue to learn from his story this morning. We're also going to be looking at some scripture uh, that I believe connects to Johnny's story, specifically certain season of Johnny's story. So this week we're going to be in 2 Corinthians. We're in chapter 12. And we're going to read verses 7 through 10. Let's read it together now. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness and in insults and in hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is the word of God for the people of God. And we say together, thanks be to God. This passage in 2 Corinthians falls at the end of a section in Paul's letter to this church in Corinth where Paul is addressing the issue of what he calls super apostles that have been making their way through this early church in Corinth. We don't really know much about this group of super apostles other than the fact that Paul calls them false teachers. We don't really know exactly who they were or what exactly they were doing, but based on what Paul writes in chapters 11 and chapter 12 of this letter, they were a group of rival missionaries to Paul who executed their ministry with elegant speech and and bragged about all of these revelations and visions that they had received from God that justified their teaching and their direction upon this, this early church in Corinth. And they had also accused Paul of not exhibiting the powers that a true apostle should exhibit, like the ability to perform miracles or having these big spiritual visions, saying that surely if he had experienced these things, that surely he would be boasting about it. And so Paul's heard about this, and he knows he needs to address it in in his letter to, to this church. And he knows he needs to at least try to steer the church away from these false teachings and back towards the truth of the gospel that he started the church based on. And so Paul's response to these accusations of these super apostles is to boast 
in these two chapters, in chapter 11 and in chapter 12, but he doesn't boast about his real accomplishments. Instead, he boasts about the things that demonstrate his weakness and his vulnerability. It's like a shot that Paul is taking, not only at the super apostles, but also at this church in Corinth and their sudden expectation that a real apostle of God would boast about things that demonstrate strength and power. And so one of the things that Paul boasts about in this section is a thorn in the flesh. And that's what we read about this morning. A thorn in the flesh that he says he has been suffering from for quite some time now. It's something that he says he has asked God to remove from his life to relieve him from. But for whatever reason, that hasn't happened yet. And so, of course, there is a ton of speculation in all of the commentaries about what this thorn in the flesh actually is. I mean, the explanations are all over the place, right? They range from a case of epilepsy that Paul may have suffered from to the fact that he might have been depressed during this certain season of his ministry to some physical ailment that he might have been dealing with, a bad foot or a bad hip that made it hard for him to get around and see all these early churches that he had planted. There's even one rumor out there that says that Paul was once married, and this is a season of his life where he was either divorced or perhaps his wife. I mean, I'm telling you, right, the explanations are all over the place as far as what people think this thorn in the flesh could be. And as confusing as it might be for us to not know the answer to that to that question, to not know what exactly it was that was causing Paul pain and distress. It seems to me that this is one of those moments where scripture is vague in order to give us room to insert our own thorns of the flesh. Because I mean, we sure do have them, don't we? I mean, things in our life that make us feel weak, Things in our life that make us feel less worthy of what God wants to do through us or or to us. Things in our life that we desperately want to be done with and to move on from. Things that we have been praying about for years, but for some reason just keep sticking with us. I mean, it could be anything, right? It could be anxiety or depression. It could be a broken relationship. It could literally be a broken foot. It could be trouble at work. It could be issue within. I mean, it it could be any number of things that could be this thorn in the flesh for you. But my guess this morning is that you have at least one that like Paul, you have prayed for God to remove. And for some reason, it is still present in your life. One thing is certain, and that's that Johnny Cash had plenty of thorns of the flesh. And just like Paul, by the end of his life, it was something that he had learned to embrace. The 80s were a really rough decade for Cash professionally. And in a couple of the books that I've been reading about him, it's referred to as his lost decade. 
I mean, he dominated the cultural and music world through the 50s, through the 60s, and through the 70s. I mean, it was an incredible run that he had, but no one can sustain that level of relevance for a whole lifetime. I mean, by the time the 80s rolled around, he was universally revered. He was a cultural icon all around the world. He was a legend of country music already. No one could deny him of that. But nobody was buying his records anymore. And to be fair, there really wasn't much to listen to. I mean, he did keep making music through the 80s, but none of it really connected to his audience like Folsom Prison Blues had or like I Walk the Line had or like the Man in Black had. It was like he had lost his voice and lost his vision and lost his direction as an artist. And things reached the low point in the 80s in 1986 when the Tennessean printed this headline on July 16th at the top of their newspaper. Man in black without a label. Columbia Records had been worried for some time about his decline in in record sales and they finally in 86 pulled the trigger and dropped him. Which was a huge moment for Cash. He had been with Columbia Records since 1958. Almost all of his music had been released through this agency. And now this country music legend, the man in black, was without a label. And the more I thought about it this week, the more, the more I realized that this should have been the end of Johnny Cash musically. I mean, I think it really would have been the end for any other artist in his, in his position. And there would have been zero shame about it. I mean, what a career he had had. What a ride. What, what an impact he had had on, on society. But of course, it wasn't. In true man in black fashion, it didn't take long for the tide to begin to change again. He spent some time in the early 90s really scraping the bottom of the barrel, trying to get his music career back on track. He spent some time touring, playing sub-500 seating venues, which were tiny compared to where he had been playing over the last 30 years. And in the midst of that season, Johnny met a new producer, He met a man named Rick Rubin. And to say it was an unlikely partnership is really a complete and total understatement. Johnny was a past his prime, best years behind him, 61-year-old country music legend. While Rubin was a scruffy 30-year-old who had spent his entire career producing rap and hip-hop and punk and heavy metal bands. And Reuben had decided that he was looking for a challenge. And it turns out the two of them were the perfect pair. Reuben was able to help Johnny rediscover his voice. And somehow he was able to spark that creative fire within him again. In 1995, they released their first album together that they had worked together on. It was called American Recordings, and it was a huge success. It won the Grammy for that year for the best contemporary folk album. And y'all, just like that, the man in black is back on top of the music world. 
1998, they released their second album together, American Recordings 2 Unchained, and that won a Grammy that year. It won the Grammy for Best Country Album. I mean, this is literally a comeback for the ages that we watched Johnny have in the mid-90s. He went from complete cultural irrelevance to -to back-to-back Grammys. The question that I found myself asking is how, how did he do it? How did he revive his career? How did he go from the very bottom of the barrel to the very top less than a year after meeting Ruben when they released their first album together? I did some reading this week and I found this quote about how Ruben affected Johnny's music and image. And I just want to read it for you. Part of Ruben's genius was that he didn't simply portray Cash as a rebel. He wanted to break through the public image of Cash as a superhero by capturing his human side, the struggle and the pain and the grit. What Ruben realized was that the road back for Johnny Cash wasn't the revival of a rebel. It wasn't the effort to bring back this offensive, edge-pushing man in black that Johnny had been for the last three decades. Instead, it was to birth Johnny Cash as a raw, vulnerable, hurt, mistake-ridden, beat-up man who simply refused to give up who refused to lose hope, who refused to believe that his story was finished, no matter what everybody else was saying about him, who refused to believe that God was finished with him. Reuben's new birth of Johnny Cash was simply a man who was covered in thorns. And if you go back and listen to the music that he released during that season of his career, that is what you will hear over and over again. A sense of vulnerability, a discovery that, that Cash was done running from the hurt in his life. Both the hurt that he had caused others in his addiction and his infidelity, but also the hurt that had been done to him. All the way back to the tragic death of his brother Jack when he was just, when he was just 12. He was done running from all of that hurt, and instead he was finally ready to face it. And I think this is heard the clearest in his cover of the song Hurt, which is something that I bet you're all, that you're all familiar with. It was a song originally done by Nine Inch Nails, and then Johnny Cash made it go completely viral again when he, when he covered it. And I think if you listen to his cover of that song and you hear it from the voice of a man reflecting back on his life, it is so, so powerful. The hurt that an addict causes his family and and those who who he loves. The hurt of the spiritual struggles that he had experienced over the course of his life. The hurt of his pride and of his selfishness and the damage that it had caused on on those around him. It's almost like in this season of his life, the image of Johnny Cash changed. And instead of being a saint outlaw dichotomy that it had been for almost all of his career... Suddenly what we saw was a suffering saint. It seems like the gospel according to Johnny Cash during this latter third of his life 
during this resurgence of his career on the back half of his life is the willingness to trust and believe and know that we are closest to God when we are at our weakest. And it seems to me that that this is something that that the Apostle Paul and Johnny Cash, that they're on the same page about. I mean, I want you to hear again what we just read, what we just read that Paul wrote to the Corinthians. But he, God, but he, God, said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I, Paul, will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake I delight in weakness and in insults and in hardship and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. In response to the boasting of the super apostles in Corinth, Paul boasts instead about how the grace of God is enough, how it is more than enough even in the face of his many, many weaknesses. So much so that Paul feels like he can boast, he can brag about all of the ways that he is imperfect, all of the ways that he knows he is, he is weak, because all that it does is reveal the power of Christ that is working through him. It is when we are weak, Paul says, that the strength of the gospel is on full display. Maybe you need to hear that this morning. Maybe you need to hear, maybe you just need to be reminded that whatever thorns of the flesh ail you this morning, whatever it is that is sticking with you, whatever hurt is present in your life right now, that the grace of God is more than enough for you despite your weaknesses that we can trust in the transformative power of the gospel when we experience seasons like this, that we can remember that it was for our sake that Christ was made weak only to reveal the power, the truth, and the hope of the resurrection. I mean, that is the trajectory of our faith. The power of God is born out of weakness. Maybe God really is closest to us. When we're, when we're weak. Johnny rode that, that final wave of energy and vision and creativity that he found with Reuben really until he died in September of 2003. He and Rick released their last album together in 2002, just a year before he died. And, and it was really clear that this was probably going to be the last music that Johnny was going to make. I mean, his health was declining pretty rapidly. He, he had become pretty frail physically. But what I love is that it didn't keep him out of the studio. I mean, he literally recorded music until he could not do it physically anymore. So much so that Reuben, during that stretch of those last recording sessions, had to record Johnny singing just one line at a time because that was all he had the strength to sing. And then Reuben went back and pieced all of it together to make the songs. This theme of strength in weakness is so, so present in the last bit of music that Johnny recorded. One of my favorite things that I've found thus far is that about two months after his death, 
Reuben released a five-disc box set called Unearths, Unearthed. And it was full of, of outtakes and unreleased, unreleased versions of songs that they had worked on together over the last 10 years or so. And one of the discs in that box set is titled My Mother's Hymn Book. And it's full of Johnny singing his mother's favorite gospel songs. And most of these songs are songs that he has put out before earlier in his career. But he felt convicted to go back and record new versions of them at this stage of his life. I mean, this is the music that he was, that he was raised on. This is the music that first instilled in him not only a love for music, but also a love for God. I mean, these are the songs that he and his family sang when they were picking cotton in the fields in in Arkansas when he was just a boy. The songs that were on his heart, I mean, remember all the way back, if you were here the first week, the songs that were on his heart when he promised his brother Jack that he was going to carry on his legacy by being a gospel singer. They're songs of hope and redemption, and they're songs of vulnerability, and they're sung by, by a tired man just clinging to the hope that he believes that he has in Christ. And my favorite one of all of them is his version of a hymn called Just As I Am. And I really didn't think that there would be a better way for us to close out this series together than to hear that version this morning. So I wanted Davis to come up here and sing it because I think it just is so fitting. I mean, it showcases exactly where Johnny landed at the end of his life. His embrace of his weaknesses, his acknowledgement of all of the thorns that he carried over the course of his life, his willingness to just be vulnerable, not only with God, but also with himself, to look back on his life and fully acknowledge the things that he wished he had done differently. But to trust that despite all of that, the grace of God is enough. For us today, I I think that is the gospel according to Johnny Cash. And my hope is that we would cling to that same hope. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. Just as I am, Lord, thou tossed about with many a conflict, many a doubt, fightings and fears within and without, O Lamb of God, I come. as I am.
Hey friends, I just wanted to take a moment and say thank you for tuning into our message this week in The Gathering. We hope you found it meaningful and life-giving. As always, you're invited to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., either in person here in the chapel or online. If you want to know more about who we are at Bluff Park United Methodist Church, you're invited to check out our website. There you'll find out who we are, what we have going on, and how you can be a part of it. As always, friends, if there's anything that we can do for you, you're invited to reach out to us. We are here to help you and support you in any way that we can. We hope that you're having a great week, and we look forward to seeing you soon.